1: Well, hello, church. Happy New Year for real. We're we're gathered, we're underway, and uh, I love you. I love being here. I'm loving Indiana. I love Connection Point. I love Brownsburg. I love Avon. If you're online and you're elsewhere, I love you too. I love our pastor. I love Pastor John so much. He's so kind to me. I love him a little bit more when he's wearing a cardigan. And... uh, (laughs) I just feel like you should hand me like a Werther's original and I could (laughs) just cuddle up in his lap there and uh, love Pastor Neil and Pastor Dan and uh, it's just such a blessing being a part of this this, uh, family and um, we've got quite the month ahead uh, because we're talking about the journey of joy. And uh, I think this is key for us as we start into this this year to set our eyes on, on joy. Uh, some of you come by joy real naturally, real easily. You're joyful people, uh, kind of irrepressible joy. I've got a daughter like that. It just doesn't really matter what's going on. She's just always happy, always joyful. I, however, am not that way. Um, I'm far more... Uh, Eeyore than I am Tigger, and uh, I'm particularly attuned to kind of the hurts of people and the, the weight of brokenness of our world. I kind of feel that, tend to carry that, be tuned in to that sort of thing a little bit more, but honestly, that's all the more reason that I, uh, I need the joy of the Lord, that I need to be reminded of it, that I need to seek it, that I want him to refresh me and strengthen me with his joy. And so kind of regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, what I'm hoping and praying for, for all of us, and I know Pastor John's in the same place for this next month or so to really just say, okay, Lord, would you would you take me on a journey of joy? Would you increase my joy as I come to you on a regular basis, and let that joy be evident and kind of overflowing to to me and other people. You might think about joyful moments that you've had in your life. Um, Some of you, it's when your child was born. Maybe if you're married, then uh, your wedding day was particularly joyful. I found this video of a groom reacting pretty darn joyfully, uh, right in the middle of the wedding ceremony, uh, right before the k- kiss was going to happen, and uh, you've got to see it, so take a look.
2: I'll now pronounce you one oh. together.
0: Oh! Oh, Blu-ray! Ho-ho! <laughs> Oh, glory! Wait,
2: I didn't say it yet. Oh, glory! You are now.
0: Husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Oh. You're all
1: right. Oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh glory. <laughs> you know, uh <laughs> throughout the scripture, the most common reference point or illustration that gets used over and over again for our relationship with God is marriage language. Uh, The the church, God's people, are referred to as the bride, the bride of Christ, and uh, Jesus is the groom. And so I know that someday... When I breathe my last breath and I'm in the presence of Jesus, I know I'm going to react just like that guy did. I'm going to be an absolute mess in his presence just going, glory. I'm going to be just beside myself. Do you ever picture that moment? Do you ever think about that? You ever think about what it's going to be like someday when you've made it through the slog of life here and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been tried, you've been tested, but then you've made it, you've run the race, and then you get to see him face to face, and that intimacy, that union, that real kind of spiritual marriage of sorts that he desires to have, that'll be... Not just tasted in part, but in full. And the joy, I think we're all gonna react. I think we're all gonna be just a, a mess of the greatest order. But remember, you and I, as the people of God, were referred to as the bride of Christ. And so to take that video and what we just saw there Another level, have you ever thought, have you ever considered that while you and I are going to react in huge amounts of joy, just like that guy, have you ever thought that Jesus might react toward you the same way? Have you ever thought that someday he's going to have that same sort of irrepressible joy at being united there, you know, no more sin in the way, you right there in his presence. He's already got that tremendous amount of joy affixed toward you. But someday, you and I are going to be with him in his presence, and it's going to be mutual. There's going to be that sort of joy going both directions, it's life eternal. That is a woohoo. That's a right on. That's an amen. There's a tremendous amount of joy that should come when we think about eternal life, and, and we're going to talk about a lot of reasons for joy over this next few weeks. But but today I'd like to talk about the reason for joy found in eternal life or abundant life. And what I'd like to propose is that while eternal life and abundant life certainly have their differences, I think they're close cousins to each other. I think there's a case to be made that eternal life and abundant life are pretty darn similar as we take a look to the scriptures. And We're going to take a journey together through a handful of passages in the Word. And and here's the thing. All of the passages we're going to look at today, except for the one, except for the last one, come from John. Uh, John, the Apostle John. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wrote the Gospel of John. We're going to look at some verses that he wrote there. He wrote... 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And here is this, this disciple of Jesus, the one that Jesus loved, had a real intimacy with. He's one that was, when they were hanging around the dinner table, was leaned back against the chest of Jesus. That John, so close that he could have heard the heartbeat of God. And this is the John that somehow gives us tremendous insight in a lot of his writings about the joy found in the abundant life eternal through Jesus. He was so close to the source of life and that brought him joy and he passes it on. Take a look at John chapter three, verse 16. This is the Arguably the most famous of verses, right? If you've ever been to a football game, uh, there's, you watch it on TV. there's always somebody in the end zone holding the poster with John 3:16 on it. Many of you know this by heart. It's often one of the first ones we commit to memory. If you're not real familiar, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, then um, tune in because this is a really good summary of what God's been up to. It's a good summary of the gospel, the good news. Of who Jesus is and what he's done for me and you. The New Living Translation reads this way For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There it is eternal life. Now, eternal, in this particular setting, uh, quite literally means perpetual, unending life. And what Jesus offers that I think is a tremendous source of joy, it should be, is when you put your faith and trust in the person and the work of Jesus, then he... Grants you eternal life, perpetual, unending life. Now, some of you, when you hear that, you go, hmm, I don't know about that. Because I don't really care for the life I have right now. And so the idea of that being perpetual or unending, mm, no thanks. But the eternal life is. It it must be noted that you and I have already begun eternal life. Every single one of us have. Now what God's desire is that you would spend eternal life with him, not separate from him. And, And when you and I have eternal life with him, it's gonna be phenomenal. Heaven is real, And I guarantee you it's better than you could possibly imagine. I I can't really wait for it. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. The word of God gives us some glimpses glimpses into what heaven's going to be like, but not a ton. And so we're left a little bit of mystery to it. What is this eternal life in heaven going to look like? What is it going to feel like? I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, quoting actually from Isaiah, that that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend what God is preparing for those who love him. So there's a sense in which like we can't even comprehend just how phenomenal it's going to be. But if you work through the scriptures, you find some clues about eternal life. I had a professor and spiritual dad in the faith that talked about heaven this way. He said it, it's like this. Whatever is good right now would have been better in Eden but will be best in heaven. Whatever is good right now, a good meal, a good laugh, a good sunset, a good vacation, a good uh, time with a friend or spouse, a good time where you accomplish something, anything good, there's a lot of good in our world, in our life right now. You take that moment of good that you're thinking of and you take it back into the Garden of Eden pre-sin, messing everything up, and it would have been that much better. You take that, though, multiply that times a million, gazillion, trillion, and maybe we're beginning to get a taste of what it's gonna be like in heaven someday. And I think just the thought of that, the promise of that, the guarantee of that eternal life in heaven, that should bring some joy to me and you. Knowing that this isn't all there is. Thank God for that, right? Knowing that what is more to come is a new heaven and a new earth in ways that you and I can hardly comprehend. John writes about it in Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, nearing the very end of your Bible, The first four verses talking about the future and God's making all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. And there's quite the glimpses, quite the picture here of what we will experience someday. It's John saw in the vision from God. Here's what he said, verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like, here it is, a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. Then look at verse four. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death there or sorrow there or crying there or pain there. All these things are gone forever. Man, I I can't wait for that. According to the word of God, in heaven someday, we will be happy, healthy, holy, and home. I don't know which one of those four things you're more excited about than the other. I I like all four, quite frankly. All four sound fantastic. I, I want that happiness and that joy. It's going to be happy. There's no more crying. There's health of every order, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, health. No more sickness there. No more pain there. We'll be holy. There's no more sin there. And therefore, no more death there. And we know from the word of God that for God's people, heaven is our real home. This isn't it. We're we're citizens of heaven. Don't forget where your real citizenship is. Now, we are called while we're here to be phenomenal ambassadors of the foreign country from which we hail. And so... We could be some real joyful ambassadors of our citizenship in heaven, knowing that that's where we're from and that's where we're, we're coming back to. And that should produce in us a particular kind of conspicuous joy. And it's not a joy that people who don't know God have. It's a different sort of joy. It's a joy that isn't so much affected by circumstances or this and that and the other thing. And I love that picture Well, that's the someday. That's the someday eternal life in heaven, in the presence of God. He is our God. We are his people. Happy, healthy, holy, and home. The joy of heaven, it's Jesus. The joy of heaven is all of that environment together, wrapped up. That should bring some joy, knowing someday that's what God's got in store for me and you. I love that. But wait, there's more. Eternal life isn't just about a someday. And and, and John actually gives us some more clues in what he records. In particular, at a moment where Jesus prayed, you go back to the Gospel of John, go to chapter 17. John chapter 17. Here is a moment where Jesus prayed. He's praying to the heavenly Father. And what he prays here, go read his whole prayer. It's phenomenal. You you learn a lot about Jesus. You you learn a lot about what he cares about by what he's praying for here. And as he starts out, he says something interesting about eternal life in his prayer. And in John chapter 17, verse one, he says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. Another translation says it more simply. Jesus prays, and this is eternal life, dash, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And so here's a little bit of the clue. Eternal life, Jesus says, this is eternal life. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing God. He says it similarly in John chapter five. five, uh, first John chapter five, I'm sorry, Near the end of your Bible, I'll jump there. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and look, and he is eternal life. And so Jesus, in his prayer, and John, what he echoes here about eternal life is it's linked to Jesus. In other words, I would say it this way. Eternal life is more about a person than a place, When scripture talks about eternal life, when you find the joy of eternal life, it's more about the person and the work of Jesus Christ than it is about a destination of heaven. Heaven is real, it's gonna be fantastic. But I believe wholeheartedly that when you and I get there, that we will be more overjoyed that we just get to be in the presence of Jesus than the fact that there's streets of gold and uh, the beauty surrounding, et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and, And I don't know, you might just stop for a second and wonder, reflect, ponder, am I more excited about heaven just so I can, you know, fly around with fat babies with wings and play harps on the clouds or, you know, whatever? I mean, that's a lot of people's picture of heaven. Or is it that you get to be with Jesus in a way we only see in part right now? You'll see and experience in full someday. That's gonna be phenomenal. And the joy of that's gonna be huge And the source of eternal life is Jesus. The one who makes eternal life possible is Jesus. See, this brings it back to a relationship with him, which guess what? Those of you that already have a relationship with him now, you're already experiencing some of eternal life right now. And it's kind of echoed, if you look at John chapter 5, Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Very clear. They will never be condemned for their sins. Thank you, Lord. But they have, listen, already passed from death into life. And so another little clue here. Jesus is saying, okay, when you put your faith and trust in me, I rescued you. I freed you. I saved you uh, from sin, from death, from God's wrath and anger towards sin, I've provided for you. And you moved from death into life. See, prior to God, we were actually already dead. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, now you're really alive. You're experiencing eternal life. I mean, life for real. Life to the full is how Jesus says it in John chapter 10. Familiar verses to some of you. John chapter 10, verses nine and 10. Again, the words of Jesus. Take it straight from Jesus' mouth. Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. I hope that in this next month, as we take a journey of joy together, I pray that Jesus will lead you to some good pastures. Some of you need some good pastures this month. You need some still waters. You need a lot of green. Some of you need a break. Some of you need a breakthrough. Whatever it is, you look to Jesus and he's going to get you there. He's going to replenish and restore in your life what he wants to, what he's always desiring to. But then look, Jesus says, the thief's purpose, the devil, is to steal, kill, destroy. But by contrast, Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations said, I've come to give you life, life to the full. Or I've come that you might have life more abundant. And now we start to sync up eternal life and abundant life in a really powerful way. The enemy comes to steal from you and to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I want you to have a rich and satisfying and abundant life. I'm doing the opposite of what the enemy is doing. I am, I'm, where, where the enemy came to steal, I'm coming to give. Where the enemy came to kill, I'm coming to bring life to you. Where the enemy came to destroy and dismantle, I'm coming to build or rebuild in you. You know how many people go looking for the abundant life in all the wrong places? Let's all get honest. Even if you're online, you're Avon, you're here in the room, raise your hand if you've ever once gone looking for the abundant life somewhere other than God himself. I have. I'll be the first one. I'll take the lead on that. Guess what? The enemy baited me. And he got me. The brochure that the devil presents is always super attractive, right? You're like, oh, that looks pretty amazing. Look, people are laughing and having fun. And then you get two, three days into the vacation, in the trip, and you're going, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And here comes the stealing and the killing and the destroying. The advertisement is always a lie. And you and I have all spent seasons where we've chased chased the abundant life in the wrong places, But the abundant life that Jesus offers, the eternal life that Jesus offers, it's a someday thing. It's also a now thing. That same professor I had talked about heaven now sorts of moments. Don't miss them. That when you see a good sunset or you have a great conversation or a really good laugh or an accomplishment or you overcome something or whatever, there's a particularly sweet time of prayer or worship that don't just dismiss it as happenstance, but rather God's bringing a little bit of a glimpse of heaven to you right now. He's giving you good gifts right here and right now. He's contrasting what the enemy has to offer. In other words, I'd kind of say when it comes to eternal life, abundant life, eternal life is more about quality of life than just quantity of life. Yes, there's an eternal, perpetual, unending life, but in the context of a quality that's beyond comprehension, honestly, What God has for us someday is certainly beyond comprehension, but did you know that what he's offering to you today should produce so much joy in you? Because what he's offering you by a quality of life right here and right now, life eternal right now, life abundant right now, it is quite the gift. It's huge. Jesus does not offer you a simple life, nor an easy life, but he does offer you life abundant, life eternal A rich and satisfying life. But it's on Jesus' terms. Because guess what? He knows what you really want and you really need even more than you do, even more than I do. When I trust Him with that, I've seen the biggest differences in my life. It's a dear family in our church, the Fox family. The precious people. One of the first families I met here at the church, and John reached out was just so warm right off the bat. A little while ago, he got to sit down with some of our team here and share a bit of his testimony about a season in his life, like many of us, where he'd just kind of wandered away from a church and maybe a little bit of what God was offering, and uh, just a little bit of a different journey. And they hit a portion like many of us do, or realize, gosh, this isn't quality of life that I thought I was supposed to have or gonna have, or is there more than this? And he and his wife knew it was just time to reconnect with God and a fellowship of believers. And what God has produced in them in these last years has brought great joy and restoration. I'd
2: love for you just to hear a little bit of John's story. Take a look. We were raised Catholic, I was baptized Catholic. I was going to church because I was going told to go to church uh not an emotional connection to it and and not 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 anything negative toward it as well too my life growing up was going to church, recognizing that church is something that is good in your life but not having that emotional attachment to it, and quite honestly was living a life that I wouldn't have been proud to go to church and live that way for quite a while through high school years, college years, and, and, and young adult and mid-adult. I did not return to church for st- pretty much the strong belief was that I was not worthy to go back to church. I had spent a lot of my life thinking that you had to be perfect, that you had to meet this criteria that you, quite frankly, could buy your way into church um, or buy your way into heaven, I should say. I married my wife, Caitlin, and uh, she had some similar experiences where church, uh, she pushed away from church as well, too, in her 20s and 30s. But, you know, after we got married and we were raising our family and our three beautiful daughters, I just remember vividly when Caitlin and I were uh, having, you know, time together talking, we just looked at each other in the eye and said, I think it's time to go to church again. Something was speaking to both of us at the exact same time. It was a beautiful moment because there was no resistance from either of us. We both knew something is calling us to go back to church. Connection Point is close in our neighborhood and we had some friends who were going there so we thought we'd give it a shot. I was broken in some manner and I knew that I needed to go back. And as soon as I went back and found out that God is accepting me for exactly who I am right now, I've been broken. Uh, He's meeting me with open arms and he's been waiting for me to come back to church. God loves me and never stopped loving me. It was me who stopped looking to him and didn't really know who he was as I was growing up. We've been going to Connection Point for three years now uh, and had seen many baptism weekends. Uh, Always was super emotional for me. I just something about someone standing before their family standing before God and saying, I, I want you in my life. I believe in people can change. And to do that in that forum has just always been so impactful for me. As a parent who has fallen short uh, in the expectations to my wife and it has fallen short in expectations to raising my children the way I would like to, it was time for me as a uh, adult to say, I want to embrace uh, my Christian belief. I want to um, proclaim my love for God. And I wanted my children to see it. I wanted all of my friends to see it. and I wanted to hopefully be an inspiration to other people who have walked a path very far from church that you can come back to it and you can be embraced and you can be welcomed so open-armed. That baptism weekend was very emotional for me. I was driving to church that morning, listening to my worship music like I always do with tears running down my face because I know that I am now part of a family that I wasn't before. Going to Connection Point, uh, bearing myself and, and opening myself up to hear all the messages and hear it uh, through my heart, knows God has been embracing me and been waiting for me. He accepts all my faults. He accepts my failures, and he's been waiting for me, and I heard that message at church and knew that this was the right time. I was supposed to be there. He's been waiting for me. And as an imperfect human being, we all are imperfect. And to hear that message was super impactful. Again, Caitlin has seen me crying in church uh, many a times because I felt like those messages were always hitting me right here. Why was I not back in church years ago? God has been waiting for me. Yeah, yeah.
1: We love you guys. We love you guys so much and um, John and his family are experiencing that eternal life now, that abundant life now. But to be completely honest, the last couple of weeks, the abundance that they've been experiencing has been hardship just since that was recorded. Just in the last couple of weeks, John had a little sporting accident and broke his hip. And then he lost his mom. And all of that, you go, was that the abundance that God's talking about? No. When Jesus offers you and I eternal life, abundant life, I don't know how it always works. It's not like he's always promising the abundance of finances or the abundance of trophies or accomplishments or whatever. But I know he's offering spiritual abundance how many of you would like some more spiritual abundance? Maybe some more emotional abundance. Maybe some soul abundance and strength that he has for you. See, that's the type of abundance that then regardless of your circumstances, the joy of the Lord can rest in brokenness, in loss, in challenges and difficulties. It's the kind of abundance that Jesus promises. It's a rich and satisfying life, but it's the joy of the Lord that carries us through those times when they're good and even when they're not so good. It's what Paul describes in Galatians chapter five when he talks about the fruit of the spirit, spiritual abundance is really what he's talking about. And Jesus offers eternal life, an abundant life. It's the spiritual abundance that I think is described pretty well here, Galatians chapter five verse 22. Listen to the fruit that God wants to produce in you and I. But the Holy Spirit, when we're living in tune with the Spirit of God, this is the kind of fruit that appears in our lives: love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's a whole bunch of other amazing blessings that God wants to give to me and you as we're walking with him. But this list is a really good start. And again, you look at this and you just go, well, do I have an abundance of those things? How many of you could use a little more of any one of those things that you see there in the word of God. I can for sure. There's a couple of them in particular and I will be completely honest, joy is one of them. The joy of the Lord. This is a different sort of joy than worldly joy. The type of joy the Lord gives is, is, is a different thing entirely. It's not happiness per se but it is a joy that I know That I am a child of the king. That I know he's preparing a place for me. I know he's going to get me through. I know he loves me. I, I know he knows me better than I know me. He knows the junk I get into. The stuff I'm still tempted by. And he still thinks I'm worthy as an object of his love. And now when I walk with him, I link arms with him, I abide in him. Then he just grows fruit in my life, an abundance of the stuff that we really need. You know what I need is not more money, necessarily. It's not more accomplishments. It's not more praise. What I need is this list. I need more of this. I need more. And if you just play along for just a second, hold your fingers out like this in front of you. Both two of them here. On one, on the fingertip here, we'll just take two. You've got love just enough love to fill your fingertip and on this one here just enough joy to fill your fingertip okay look at that just enough love just enough joy is that enough no (laughs) that's not enough look at it can you see it no you can't see it because you're just staring at your fingers there's actually nothing there is there (laughs) it's not enough but when you abide in Christ, then he takes a little bit of joy. And when you abide in him, you are the branches. He's the vine. We just stay attached to the vine, and then he grows fruit, You've never walked past a vineyard or a tree that's bearing fruit and heard the tree going, trying to force fruit out the end, have you? No. What happens when that branch is just attached to the trunk, to the vine? The natural byproduct is what? Fruit. And the more we abide, then the bigger the fruit gets, and I need the increase. I don't need this much joy. I don't even need this much joy. God can bring this much joy, but you know what? The joy that the Lord offers to me and you would be a size of fruit that I can't even lift. I wish we could have found an apple that was as big as this stage, and maybe we're beginning to get a glimpse of the joy that he has for us. How do we experience that? You abide in Christ. He is eternal life. He has come to give you life to the full and all the fruit that comes with it when we just abide in him. In the name of an almighty God, do it. If you don't know him, get to know him and he will bring the things in your heart that you've been longing for, at a level that you can't possibly imagine here and now, and someday, someday, what you will experience will make this pale in comparison. It's a free gift. So let's take his hand and let's link arms with each other and take this journey of joy in the Lord together over this next month, see what he wants to do. So, gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, thank you, thank you for producing in us the stuff that we really need. Honestly, the stuff that we probably really desire deep down. I ask, Lord, that you would increase the joy of every single person that's here, despite their circumstances, as they sense. The joy that you have for us someday in heaven, being in your presence and being happy and healthy and holy and home. And also that eternal life that's already begun, the abundant life, life to the full, a rich and satisfying life. When we have a life of purpose, we have a life of meaning, we have a life where our identity is in you. We have things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that you're just producing in us. We'd find tremendous joy in that. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way we would invite you to keep following jesus with us we send out a daily video text devotional you can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point podcast.